This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Well, we know in Christ and in this whole process of sanctification that when we came to Christ, we were adopted. He's already shared that with us earlier in this passage. But you know what? We're still at the orphanage. Daddy hasn't come to pick us up yet. Our Father, the the papers have been signed. The seal has been placed upon it by the Holy Spirit. He has not picked us up yet. As Pastor David continues through Romans, he will be teaching us the importance of looking forward to the second coming of Christ. When Christ returns, He will take us to be with Him and will redeem not only us as believers, but He will redeem the earth. Creation itself is groaning, waiting for the Lord to bring redemption. We are still at the orphanage, waiting to be officially adopted and taken home. Those who have this hope in the coming of Christ keep themselves pure, just as Christ is pure. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 21 for our continuing study entitled Groaning in Hope. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Both thorns and thistles it's going to bring forth for you. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have thorns and thistles. Can you just imagine that? We who live in the desert where everything has thorns. Uh... In the Garden of Eden, there were not. Can you imagine roses without thorns? You pay a lot of money to get roses without thorns today. But because of the fall, the ground was cursed. Thorns and thistles and the toiling that has to go into it in order to be able to provide the nourishment for man to live. Whereas prior to the fall, they could walk through the Garden of Eden and say, wow, that looks great. Oh, no, no, that's, that's oh this, this looks good. And just, man, they, they, had, they had a great feast, a great buffet table, literally, that was set before them and with only one restriction. And yet, even with that one restriction, They were disobedient to God. And because of that, not only the curse fell on the serpent because of him drawing them into that sin, but then on Eve and to Adam and all of mankind following them, but even on the creation itself. The creation itself having this, again, this bondage of corruption. Go back to Romans, if you would. He says there in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. From the time of the fall until now, the whole creation groaning and laboring with birth pangs together until now. And ladies, I don't want to for a moment uh, have you think that I know anything about the pain of childbirth, because I know absolutely nothing about it. Never experienced it myself, only vicariously through my wife, and even that, uh, you know, I was so far from that. I know nothing about it. But ladies, you understand, and many of you men understand because you've seen your wives or others that have gone through the, the contractions and the pain that comes with this. And it's kind of interesting that he would use this illustration, these birth 
pangs, this anticipation. Because, ladies, what happens after the birth pangs? You are delivered. You're delivered. Now, I love that word. They say, I went to the delivery room, and I was delivered. And I think that that's what the earth is waiting to be. It's waiting to be delivered. And right now, it's going through the contractions. And right now, it's feeling these birth pangs. And you know what, beloved? I believe that we are in the delivery room right now with that anticipation that at any moment, at any hour, at any time, man, the delivery will take place. And not only will we be out of here, but the earth itself will be delivered from the curse that was placed on it because of the sin of Adam. And you think, well, what kind of birth pangs does creation have that the world has? Well, we saw a bit of it in Haiti just a couple of months ago. We've seen it in in floods all around the world in places where it's never flooded before. We see tornadoes and, and hurricanes and typhoons and tsunamis and all kinds of natural disasters that are taking place. Remember, it was a couple of years ago, we thought we'd lose Australia. The whole place was on fire. And these kinds of natural disasters that take place. I believe that these are all part of those birth pangs of the natural course of what our earth is in. And I get the question all the time. Do you think it's because of sin that the uh, earthquake in Haiti was caused? My quick answer to that is, yes, I do. And it happened back in the garden. And because of the sin of the garden, all of creation suffered. And all of creation is, again, in that type of bondage, of corruption. And we have these birth pangs even now. I believe and I know and I understand that the work of God in this world continues on. But the fact is, is this world was not meant to last forever. Amen? This world was was doomed for destruction. As a matter of fact, scientists who are not believers, who don't care anything for this word or for the God who spoke it, look at the world and say, man, you know what? This thing's got to wind it down here. We don't have too, too, too much longer. Now, some of them might say, well, we've only got hundreds of thousands of years or this or that. But I believe it's much, 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 much shorter than that. And I believe that this delivery process is about ready to happen. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you. And I believe that that's why in the next verse, he says in verse 23, And not only that, not only all of creation ready for it, not only all of creation groaning and and, in anticipation looking for it, but we ourselves groan within ourselves. We who are his children, there is a groaning that's going on within it. He says in verse 23, We also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. What a great thought that is. The adoption. We're waiting for the adoption. Well, we know in Christ and in this whole process of sanctification that when we came to Christ, we were adopted. He's already shared that with us earlier in this passage. But you know what? We're still at the orphanage. Daddy hasn't come to pick us up yet. Our Father 
the, the papers have been signed. The seal has been placed upon it by the Holy Spirit. He has not picked us up yet. And you know the sweetness of adoption, and some of you may know it because you've experienced either because you have an adopted child or because you were adopted. You know what? Our birth kids, we don't have much of a choice, do we? We, we pretty well get what we get. But on the adoption, you go and pick. It says, wow, I want that one. And that's what your father did with you. He says, oh, but man, I was such a mess. That's all right. He knew you. He knew you better than yourself. And he knew your tomorrows as well as your past. There was no questioning about where you came from and how you got to where you were. No, he knew all of those things. And even out of that wisdom, the word says that he chose us. Even before the foundations of the world, even before we were born, even before we chose him, he chose us. And what a blessedness that is to know that in my mess, in all my screw-ups, and in all my failures, yet the Father's love for me was so great. And he says, no, I want that one. I want that one. And he chose us. And we're waiting for that adoption process to take place. And in the time of our waiting, we are groaning within ourselves. And Paul so well understood that. He spoke of it in many places about the fact that this tent is, is perishing right now, but we're looking for a better time. Again, while you're still in Romans, now turn to your right over to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Well, what does he mean by losing heart? Well, all you've got to do is go up a little further, about uh, six or eight verses ahead there or before this. And he says, man, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal body. And yet in verse 16 he says, yet we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. In the midst of all the persecution, all of the trials that this earth has, that this world has, that this life has, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. I want to give you a guarantee real here, real quick here, and you can write this down and you can date it and you can put your name, put my name next to it. This is a prophetic message to each one of you this morning. Even should the Lord tarry, in 110 years, none of you are going to be here. Write it down, date it, put my name on there. I guarantee you. Why? Because we're all perishing. As I've shared with you before, every one of us are terminal. Every one of us, unless the Lord takes us out of here beforehand. And Paul understands that. He says that though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's how you and I ought to be in the Spirit. We ought to be being renewed day by day by day. 
How do I get renewed? I get renewed by being in His Word. I get renewed out of fellowship and relationship through prayer and meditation, not only on the Word, but prayer with the Father. Again, just basking in that communion. I get renewed by being instructed and encouraged in the Word. I get renewed by just like uh, iron sharpening iron, so one brother sharpens another brother, by hanging out with other believers and being encouraged by them. I get renewed in a lot of ways. How do I not get renewed? By walking out these doors on Sunday morning and shutting off my spiritual walk, by shutting off my Christianity and saying, that's good for Sunday. That's good for Sometimes, or when some people, but don't tell me I've got to do that 24-7 all of my life. Well, I'm telling you this morning, it is a 24-7. It is a life. It's not a club that you join. It's a life that's been changed. And it's in that change of life and your understanding of that change of life that you are continually being renewed. But he goes on, there's so much here. We could spend our whole time here, but we won't. He says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction. Who's writing this, church? Who's the author of these words we just read? The Apostle Paul. This light affliction. Let me tell you about the light affliction that Paul has had. He's been stoned, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been imprisoned, he's been thrown amidst wild animals, he's been abandoned by those who were his brothers and those who supported him, he's gone without food for seasons, and this, not just one occasion here and one occasion here, but for years and years and years, this has been the process of his life, because he would rather serve his King Jesus than to serve the power and the rulers of this world or of his own flesh and because of that he suffered greatly in his walk in Christ and he says you know what this light affliction that we're having man it's just but for a moment now you tell me what is your light affliction particularly your light affliction because of your determination to walk in Christ now everyone has afflictions in this world both the saved and the lost I mean we're all we're all subject to diseases. We're all subject to situations of financial collapses. We're all subject to personal relationships, having problems. We're all subject to those things. But tell me about your light affliction because of your walk in Christ. We can't even begin to hold a candle to that, can we? But he goes on, he says, those light afflictions, they're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, that's the things that are right now, the things that are immediate. He says, but at the things which are not seen, the things that are yet to come. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. There's that groaning again that he spoke, uh, that he's speaking of in Romans. We earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent we groan being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed but we want to be further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, 
who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Beloved, this tent is perishing. And in the midst of this, we groan. We have that anxious desire, eagerly waiting for that adoption, the completeness of the redemption of our lives. Back in Romans, he tells us there in verse 24, that we are saved in this very hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Hope, hope, hope. The same word or the same idea, the same thought as faith. You and I as believers, we live in faith. We live with hope, that eager expectation that everything that the word says is going to be true. That what I place my faith and my trust in, man, when the time comes... God will do what he said he's going to do. And God who declared who he was really is that. And man, that's my hope. That's why we walk in faith. We don't walk by sight. And if you have to be proved every essence of who God is in your life, then, beloved, you're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. And you're going to be sorely disappointed in a lot of things in your life. We are people who are called to live lives of faith, to live lives of hope with that expectation of what God will do and even now is doing in our lives. And I love what he said earlier over in chapter 5 of Romans. He says, and hope does not disappoint. Does not disappoint. You put your hope, your trust, your faith in God. You lay down your life. You deny yourself. You allow yourself to be crucified daily. You take up that cross and you follow him. Beloved, you will not be disappointed. You may have perils. You may have tribulations. You may have an abundance of trials in your life. But you will not be disappointed. Because he's working in you a more excellent glory that you and I can't, man, we can't even compare now what's yet before us, what he has laid before us. We look here in verse 26, and he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, stop right there. That whole idea of we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Boy, how true is that? Yeah, some of you, uh, you listened to that kind of music. And there was an old country song not so many years ago. But it said, thank God for unanswered prayers. You remember that song? How true that is. And we ought to be thanking God for unanswered prayers. Because there's a lot of things that you've prayed for in your life that you better be very glad that God did not fulfill in your life. I know for myself it's true. But even now, today, how do we pray? We have a friend or a loved one who is sick, and I pray, Lord, heal them. What would it be if God says, you know what, I don't want to heal them right now because I'm working something either in their life or in the life of another that their sickness is going to impact much greater than if I healed them even right now. 
My brother, a couple of years ago, was rushed to the hospital. He spent a, a week there. And while he was in the hospital, he was able to pray and lead two individuals to Christ that were there, that were ministering to him during his illness. He gave the message of the gospel on something that, basically, folks, you and I in the flesh would say, Lord, heal him supernaturally right now. We want it done. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pray for those things. But a lot of times, we just don't understand what we're praying for. Lord, I, I pray that my business would be very, very successful. And God says, I, I won't give that to you because I love you too much because I know that if your business is that successful, you'll forget all about me and you'll destroy your life. You see, we don't always know what we ought to be praying for. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us and it says that the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I mean, we look at that and can that mean that that's speaking about speaking in tongues and praying in tongues? I believe that it can be. And Paul says, man, I, I pray both in the Spirit as well as I pray with understanding. And I believe that that's what he speaks of there. But beloved, I believe that it's much, much, much deeper than that. When we look at this, it says that the Spirit is speaking to us or, or praying or making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Think about that. Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit of God groaning on your behalf. On your behalf. He knows you so intimately well. He knows the pain and the suffering and the loss. He knows the issues of life that you're dealing with. And he groans for you to the Father. Oh, what a great love is ours. Because of the richness of the God who loved us. It's not only the Spirit that groans, but creation groans. We read about that a little earlier. And we groan also. So you've got the Spirit that's groaning. You've got creation that grows, groans. You have us that groan. And all together we groan about that great hope that is yet before us. That completion of all that God wants to do in our lives. That right now we are tied down to the temporary. Right now we're, we're bound by the mortal. But there's going to come that time, beloved, that this mortal will put on immortality. That this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And what a blessed hope that is that you and I need to have, no matter what situation you're going on in life, to know that the greatness of the glory of our Father awaits for us. We read in verse 27, and we'll end up here. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It's interesting. He who searches the heart. Who is he speaking about here? I believe that he's speaking about Jesus. You remember in the Gospels, it says that there, Jesus did not entrust himself to any man. Why? Because he knew all men's hearts. He who searches the heart. Jesus himself knows our heart. And it says that he knows the mind of the Spirit also. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Father. 
and because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The word just a little bit later down in verse 34 says that he is ever at the right hand of God, always making intercession for us, that Jesus himself is interceding for us. So right here in verse 27, we have that triunity of God. We have God the Spirit who is within us, who is groaning for us. We have God the Son who is making intercession for us. And we have God the Father who is caring for us and loving for us, who has adopted us to himself. All three of those working together in order that we might know the perfect will of God, that we might be able to experience the perfect will of God, and that we might be obedient to the will of God in our life. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from Pastor David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.